the CC Way, episode 16, with a warrior monk, Greg Amundsen. How can I find happiness? The young warrior asked the wise monk. Everything I work so hard to achieve, thinking that it will make me happy, soon loses its attractiveness. Perhaps it is because you consider happiness and attractiveness to be the same thing, replied the wise monk. Then the wise monk said, You were not created to find lasting happiness from the objects, conditions, or treasures of the outer world. Startled and amazed by what he had heard, the young warrior quietly knelt down before the wise monk. The young warrior knew he was in the presence of someone who had acquired great wisdom. The wise monk explained, Because you project your awareness into the world of material objects, you focus on the creation instead of the creator. After a shared moment of silence, the wise monk said, In other words, you have spent your life focusing on treasure. The key is to refocus your attention on the supreme source of treasure. Consider a dehydrated man attempting to quench his thirst by sipping dew from a small blade of grass, proposed the wise monk. That would be foolish, the young warrior replied, for his thirst would never be fully satisfied. You are exactly right the wise monk said encouragingly. Then the wise monk continued, if only the dehydrated man knew there was an unbounded, unlimited, and infinitely abundant reservoir of water he could drink from, then his thirst would be forever fulfilled. Now consider this, said the wise monk. Would it make sense for the dehydrated man to fill up containers of water, to hoard them, bury them, protect them, or possess over them? The young warrior thought for a moment and then replied, Certainly not. For any time the man was thirsty, he could simply return to the reservoir and drink all the water he wanted. Once again, you are exactly right. You see, young warrior, much of the wisdom you seek is already within you. Then the wise monk explained a key insight for the young warrior to contemplate. The metaphor of the dehydrated man teaches a very important lesson. The blade of grass represents treasure, while the abundant reservoir of water represents the source of treasure. Only the source was able to quench the man's thirst. And furthermore, the source was always available to the man. He could drink from the source anytime he desired. Now imagine if the abundant reservoir of water was already within you, said the wise monk. If that were the case, I would never be thirsty again, answered the young warrior. The young warrior pondered this insight for a moment and then thought to himself, perhaps the story of the dehydrated man is about me. It seems I have been trying to fill myself from the outside in instead of from the inside out. Could it be possible that the source of everything I have been searching for is already within me? The young warrior felt increasingly inspired and encouraged in his quest to find happiness. A part of the young warrior felt the wise monk was teaching him a storehouse of new information, while simultaneously another part of the young warrior felt he was simply being reminded of something he knew long ago. This is the Sisu Way, a show about grit, character, life philosophy, fitness, leadership, service, gratitude, and what it means to choose strength. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a family man, friend, thinker, guardian, and a peaceful warrior with an open mind and unconquerable soul. My guest today is much of the same, as we are along the same path in many ways. Greg Amundsen is a operational and spiritual 
Swiss Army knife of a human being. <laughs> He's an original CrossFit fire breather and coach, a law enforcement officer, SWAT operator, DEA agent, Army officer, and continued on a servant's path to become a true warrior who dedicates his life to self-mastery and service of others. Greg will educate and inspire us to live with purpose, passion, and a burning desire to develop strength in your mind, body, and spirit. Through a disciplined use of our words, thoughts, awareness, and attention, he can help us achieve a mindset of positive expectancy, personal belief, and an unshakable faith. He will always be there to encourage us and support us through an indomitable power called love. Greg, you have been a role model and mentor to me for a long time, and it's my honor to have you one-on-one, face-to-face, <laughs> on, on something I think will calm some waters out there. Awesome. Thank you, brother. And so t- t- the opening to the show came from part three, the journey within, your, uh, the journey within in your book, The Warrior and the Monk. Uh, it's a fable about fulfilling your potential and finding true happiness. And finding that piece of the book that I wanted to start with, um, I think is an unfold about why I, I picked that particular piece. There's a lot of the book really resonated with me. I'm going to get into that soon, but that particular part of finding happiness within mm. has been a large um, part of this this show and this uh, movement, and and uh, having that stem from a position of gratitude, appreciation, and a uh, strength is a choice and that's up to you and it comes from within. So right. that's part of the reason why I wanted to start with that. Awesome. You know, how do I find happiness? A lot of the times I, that's a, that's a question that I ask the guests is mm. like, how do you find happiness? Mm. And people have their different, different answers, but well, I don't want to spoil the book. So, <laughs> so before, before we um, get into that, I kind of want to explain to the listeners like how we know each other. And I think I mean, your story is out there. I think a lot of the people listening probably know maybe they came from the podcast or they've listened to some of your other shows. Uh, And if you guys don't know, um, Greg is what's called the original fire breather. And the term fire breather, I think, is even, uh, it's kind of lost within the CrossFit community. Mm -hmm. It's turned into like beast or Mm -hmm. beast mode or something like that. Mm -hmm. But some of the, uh, the, like almost like the, the indomitable spirit within the, the fire breather context has lost. Mm. But for the, for the people listening, Greg was like the original fire breather slash beast in CrossFit. And <laughs> at a, there was a point in time when trying to learn um, what CrossFit was and how to do it in the you know, 2005, 2006 time, which is when I jumped on board, which is still five years-ish after you did. There wasn't very many gyms and there wasn't very many places to learn from. So you had CrossFit.com and the form, because every time CrossFit.com would have a workout, there would be a little uh, discussion right after that. Mm -hmm. And then people would learn from there or watching YouTube. And most of us, especially I say most of the males at that time, learned from watching you work out on YouTube Mm -hmm. in your blue shorts and and bare feet, (laughs) which by the way, I've been watching, I've I've been watching that more, just kind of going back, um, getting back to the basics. Yeah. And there's two things. One, I just recently watched your heavy Fran uh, with bare feet. Um, and I wanted to make fun of you, fun of you for using a squat rack yeah. and, taking all, and taking all those chalk breaks. <laughs> um, but also, uh, 
you know, you were someone I looked up to like, holy moly. And, and you were like light years above most people. And I think it was even before the, the CrossFit games. And I think it's easy to say that you were in the CrossFit terms, the fittest on earth. It just wasn't measured and people didn't really know much about, uh, know much about it. And so first of all, thank you. Thank you. Brother. And if you guys are curious, if you go look up Greg Amundsen on YouTube and then switch the settings and you'll look back to, I, don't know, I think they're like 10 years old now. Mm-hmm. And YouTube's still fairly like new. I mean, it wasn't like a, I don't think there's YouTube videos from 1998 on there. I don't think so either. Even still, when did filming the workouts become a thing? Glassman started filming as early as 2001. Then there was a way that he uploaded them and they were hosted directly on the CrossFit.com website before YouTube. Okay, so that's what, and that, did that eventually create the journal? It did. Those streamed into the journal. Yeah. Then there's a whole archived feature where a lot of those original videos were subsequently uploaded onto YouTube. But the first hosting was directly on the CrossFit.com platform. And now look. Mm-hmm. Uh, so also, you were in law enforcement. I don't think I knew that at the time, but eventually I figured it out. Uh, and then, let's see, we've done, we've been involved in the CrossFit law enforcement mm-hmm. thing. We've done... I think, I think when my SWAT team started doing Murph as our qualifier, you and Dave Castro came out for a, a HQ video. Mm-hmm. I think that was 2010, eight years ago. Yeah. I think what, what I think our times were like 27 and 28 minutes. <laughs> now, do you, have you done it recently? I do it almost every week. Murph? Yeah. Ah, see. <laughs> well. Uh, not I do a variation of it every week. Yeah, I do, and this is something I was actually talking to a buddy of mine who was telling me how sore he was after doing Murph on Memorial Day. I'm like, you're sore because you don't do that, right? I was like, if you do something as simple as a 20 minute imam, let's say say 20 minute imam, you don't have to call it Cindy or anything, or I guess it's a version of uh, Chelsea. Every minute, do five pull ups, ten push ups, fifteen squats, mm-hmm. and eventually that's like not a big deal. Right, it's almost like a a, a warm up. Exactly. And you adapt to it, and then Murphy is not really that much of a... Exactly. That's why I started doing quarter mile walking lunges again. Ooh. Well, exactly. <laughs> a walking lunge is, is, is an exaggerated walk. Huh. You know, you walk, and then you squat down a little bit more, a little bit more, and now you're lunging. Right. And that, something as simple as that can get very, very te- uh, uh, spicy. Yeah. But that's why it's funny. It's funny. Push-ups, pull-ups, um, lunges. Hmm. Those are the things like it's the simplest little things that you can get away from and start doing the fancy stuff mm-hmm. and you go back to it and cycle and it's like, Hey, uh, remember me? <laughs> um, Glassman also had a crossfit gym in Santa Clarita. I don't know if I told you this. Hmm. The, it was at a gold's gym in Santa Clarita before he moved up North. Wow. That location is now uh, crossfit coveted. Wow. And it's actually owned by um, some friends of mine, uh, Elliot and Annie Zeebly. And it was at that place, full circle, that I took George Ryan's CrossFit striking course. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? That is in, awesome. In the, original, in the original spot where he trained, where Greg trained CrossFit. Is now a wow. Cross, it, that he got kicked out of right. is now a CrossFit gym. Right. That is awesome. Yeah, CrossFit coveted. Check it out. Um, I'm going to regroup here. I want to start at something kind of, kind of important to me. And that is 
in life, we kind of go through certain struggles, right? Or certain events that are painful mm-hmm. that end up shaping us. Because I don't think when everything's going well, you're not necessarily growing. It's kind of like there's certain certain points in your life that kind of just cause pain. You might not know why at the time, but eventually you figure out later on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily one of them, but both of us had um, kind of similar situations with our parents. Mm-hmm. And that is we, we both went and saw our fathers in the hospital as they were dying. Mm-hmm. And I saw, um, and the same thing later on happened with your mom. And I covered that in uh, my very first episode. It's called For Dad. Mm. And it's part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because my dad, when it looked like he wasn't going to make it, I asked him to start writing because he he didn't create much content. Mm. Uh, And this is when my wife was pregnant with our first son. So he had no grandkids. And it looked like he wasn't going to make it. Mm. And so I had asked him, like, hey, start writing. And so he got uh, about a paragraph and a half in, ended up coughing up blood and dying right then. Whoa. And that is, so a little bit of lesson there was leave something, right? Mm. And it's a lesson I push on the show a lot to a lot of the dads and and moms out there Mm -hmm. who in turn are now sharing that stuff with me. So like, don't think that like tomorrow is guaranteed and leave something, Mm. write something, record something, um, and don't wait. And so that's part of the reason why I started being more open and more vulnerable on podcasts mm. and so I can leave something for them if something were to happen mm. which is why I'm very pretty selective on who I have on the show mm-hmm. because you're also not you're not just teaching the listeners but you're also going to teach um, the kids once when they get older mm-hmm. so that's awesome Scott well thank you but I also wanted to if you don't mind to sharing the story of of what your dad and your, your mom told you and how, how that affected your life and, and kind of pushed you in the direction you've gone. Mm, you bet, brother. Well, I was 21 at the time. I was a senior in college at UC Santa Cruz. My dad had been in and out of the hospital with cancer. One morning, my mom calls me and says, you've got to come up to Stockton right away. So I jump in my truck and drive from Santa Cruz to Stockton, go right to the hospital, go in to see my dad. And all my brothers and my mom and a few other family friends are in the room. And we're all essentially taking turns being in the presence of our dad. Yet he was unconscious at the time. So my turn comes and I'm in the room with my dad and I'm seated on his bed and I don't know what to say to him. Other than that, I want him to know that I'm going to do everything I can as an adult to make him proud of me. So I lean over and put my face next to his face and I say, Dad, I'm going to make you proud of me. And whether or not he had been conscious or not the entire time, his eyes were closed until that moment. He opens his eyes in that moment, looks at me, and through a very strained voice, he says, Son, Whatever you do, do it for love. <laughs> and that was, a, that was a game changer for me because the tendency for many people, in particular men, type A personality men, is pride. Pride can be a fueling source of momentum in our life when ultimately love is the greatest source of strength in our life. So that was a great life lesson for me that I always remember always return to that moment in time 
that just that statement alone is also part of well not it's not really the reason but now that you brought said it right now reminded me of the the Martin Luther King sermon and I shared with you mm-hmm. earlier strength to love mm-hmm. and dedicated a whole episode just to that I mean that is a, that could just that alone is this a podcast of its own mm-hmm. um, and I think you know the disposition of someone I don't know it's almost like one of those things I wish I could like help people see the light or see the love or understand like understand that part Mm -hmm. and how much strength there is there Mm -hmm. it's part of the reason why i say vulnerability is strength and strength is a choice Mm -hmm. and also another reason for for these swords up here there's a lot of reasons a sort of cause if you Mm -hmm. will uh is also the strength to to wield it but also to to not Mm -hmm. Right and mm-hmm. how that can be that that there's all kinds of love there and how, and how there's seeing that there's 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 bad in the best of us and there's good in the worst of us mm-hmm. and well centering said. yeah centering well that said. on love right yeah I like that and of course as at this time you you were well you still are but you were and and I am now in law enforcement mm-hmm. and and having that be um, a tool or even a weapon sometimes from love. Mm-hmm. And how that can affect how you how you actually um, provide service through the means of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's a whole interesting topic there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then balancing that with pride. Um, and then please show you the story of your mom. Yeah. So my mom, nearly ten years to the day, she was in the hospital. Same hallway two doors down from where my dad ultimately passed away. Ironic. Yet to jump right to that episode leaves out something remarkable about my mom. She was in her mid sixties and had volunteered for a second tour with the Peace Corps. As a second tour, she could have chosen any location in the world. She chose Umaras, Jordan which was considered a hardship post. She was the oldest person to date to serve in that post. (laughs) And what's really awesome is there was a diplomatic security agent assigned to the embassy in Jordan that recognized the last name Amundsen, reached out to me and said, it's your mom (laughs) in Jordan. (laughs) And I said, yes, she is. (laughs) Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Well, it was at that Umaras outpost that she had a massive stroke. There had been an undiagnosed tumor in her brain. She was medevaced first to UC Davis Medical Center, then to Dameron in Stockton, which is where my dad had been treated up until he passed away. My mom was in a coma. Very similar experience to my dad, only with my dad I was unsure whether or not he had been conscious during much of that time that we were in and out of the room. My mom was clearly unconscious. She was in a coma. I was seated on her bed and she came into consciousness just long enough to tell me these words. She said, Greg, everyone can be, everyone can encourage somebody and be supported at the same time. (laughs) Everyone can encourage somebody and be supported at the same time. So I'm still, you know, the term in seminary we use is unpacking, like I'm unpacking the depth of insight 
that is contained within that statement. I think it's profound. And it complements so much of what my dad said about doing it for love. This idea of encouraging people, supporting people, yet being vulnerable enough to allow ourselves to be receptive of people that are supporting and encouraging us. The obstacle oftentimes to allowing ourselves to be vulnerable is pride. Yep. You know, <laughs> Those two things can be antagonistic. Um, in, while reading your book, at least The Warrior and the Monk, this one, I was reminded of The Peaceful Warrior, mm-hmm. which is another book that you had read mm-hmm. with, uh, uh, by Dan Millman, uh, starring Socrates. Mm-hmm. Um, in that book, I remember there's a line that says, uh, the, peaceful warrior, the Peaceful Warrior's way is about absolute vulnerability. Mm. And it's something that's taken a long time to, to kind of like keep learning and, and keep growing and keep um, paying attention to because it it's easy to get pride and, and I would say like the, almost like the devil's work is very sneaky mm. and can sneak up on you and mm-hmm. to, to remember to keep surrendering. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the pride thing that your, your dad said and, this, and the um, encouragement and support from your mom, that, that poem that I showed you earlier, um, uh, A Father's Prayer for a Son mm-hmm. by Douglas MacArthur, that is something I um, showed my dad when he was sick and he couldn't even talk. And mm-hmm. I showed it to him and I, and I told him, I, was, I said, thank you. All this stuff is super hard to do for, mm-hmm. you know, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know your dad is not going to be around much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and letting him know that I'll show it to his grandson one day. Uh, but also letting him know that, and it, and it sounds like the same thing with you, is that now having a father, there's some like element that you really hope you can pass on to your kids. Absolutely love is, like if you have that from your parents, then like you were one of the lucky ones. Because mm-hmm. you know, some kids, they, they, they know violence more than love. Mm-hmm. But letting them know that like, you're able to handle what life throws at you. Mm. Like I, I'm whatever the storm is, the the storm inside is greater than the fire outside, mm-hmm. and that's another thing that I think is um, a, a goal as a as a father. So good on your parents, yeah, you know for for that. But that also, it's gonna take me a, a, take me a while just to to wrap around what your mom said. I know, isn't that amazing? You know, just hearing is like almost I I kind of like stop myself from mm-hmm. welling up, mm-hmm. even though I know that's what. I know that's what she said, but re- hearing you say it, mm-hmm. um, incredible. And I always think it's also funny that I, how the balance of life and death is. And sometimes there's like a, some sort of like funny joke going on there mm-hmm. to put your mom like that close to where mm-hmm. your dad was in the same hospital, right down, right down the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my dad passed then a week later, my son was born, his first grandson. Mm. Um, I had to deal with a two and a half year old who passed away while work at work mm. and doing an investigation there and spending time with the kid's body in, in, in a hospital, um, one of the UCLA hospitals. And he had the same PJs. My kid was the same age at that time. Mm. as him, same PJs. Uh, his, the kid's body was laying on his back with his belly out. So now for a while, every time my kid showed me his belly, that's what I would think about. Mm. And, Fast forward um, about a year, my younger kid, who is th- that same age, got sick, had to take him to the hospital, and we're in the ER, 
and we're like same thing a few a few mm. rooms down from that spot that's still kind of mm-hmm. you know there's certain things that happen at work that affect you lo- for long term and that was one of them to yeah me. well i told my wife i was like i'm really glad we're not in that room over there i was like that's the room and she already knew exactly what i was talking about yeah well five minutes later we get moved into that <laughs> room oh no we get moved into that room my kids in the my kids in the same bed as that is the kid that passed away oh that's what i mean it was like a, it was like this is a funny joke right mm. so i just positioned myself in a different spot yeah so i had a different perspective on right. the room right and appreciation for life just trying oh, to trying well, to yeah you know trying to take it it all in because you can't you can't ignore them mm-hmm. you know so i just i don't know let it in funny maybe funny story yeah. But the point is, so that that happens to you, um, and, you know, and there's also another point in time in your life where you felt alone, and that's, you know, after your divorce. Mm-hmm. And you coming up with your kind of background, your parents stayed together for a long time, mm-hmm. um, not saying there's anything wrong with you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Maybe there is. <laughs> hiding behind that. To be determined. Hiding behind <laughs> the, the handlebar mustache. You got <laughs> but... Uh, you know, you went through some like reflection on is there mm-hmm. something wrong or something I did did I do something wrong? Um, and how you felt alone and how I'm curious how if you can explain how that kind of I guess how you found happiness or how you found yourself through something painful like that. Yeah, great question. Well, I think when we are faced with a life circumstance, an event in our life that is out of alignment with a value system that we hold we come to a crossroads. We're trying to understand the world at any given time through what we already understand. I understood based on how I was raised that when a couple comes together in holy matrimony, takes the vow, I do, till death to us part, that is a sacred vow. I witnessed the vow firsthand in my parents. Even after my dad died, for 10 years until my mom's death, she never remarried. So that's what I believed in. I had that example, that model of the sacred relationship mm-hmm. between a husband and wife. I'd been very successful in all the things that I perceived to be important. Yet in the pursuit of what I perceived to be important, I was neglecting what was most important which was my marriage. When the marriage unraveled, now I'm at that crossroads because the value system that I held so sacred collapsed underneath me. And I really had to do some soul searching to realize that I was ultimately responsible. And that's what I think real vulnerability boils down to oftentimes is are we going to be strong enough to accept responsibility because it's so easy to blame other people, circumstances, conditions, yet it takes, I believe, a warrior to be able to recognize their part in whatever experience they're having in life. Yep. I think I've said on the show before, and I don't want to, I want you to keep going here, but that particular moment in time is almost, I haven't, I don't understand how, I don't have the knowledge or the, or the language to really explain it. But I've dumbed it down to like it's almost like when somebody grows up. Mm. I don't know. If, I don't mean like growing up into adult and like getting a nine to five. But mm-hmm. there's there's a, a such like a, it's such a big growth hurdle. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Mm-hmm. And Jocko, Jocko Willink, you know, in the book Extreme Ownership, I think has kind of helped push that along in, in the culture now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, instead of finger pointing, mm-hmm. even if it, even if you can finger point, mm-hmm. even if there is, it finger pointing has never solved anything. Mm-hmm. It's only created more distance and more more dissent, more aggression, mm-hmm. and doesn't involve growth. Mm-hmm. You got to turn the finger right back into exactly. yourself and think, what can I do, or what have I done? Mm-hmm to either cause this or how can I make it better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to highlight that little part. It's so important, brother. That's it, such a big, it's been such a big theme in my life. And what I found is that those people who I seek out for mentorship, it's been a resounding theme in their life as well. Absolutely. There's, well, I want to get into that later, but absolutely uh, ownership and accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking how how you can improve the situation, how you can do it. Mm-hmm. So, you started doing that. Mm-hmm. What'd you find? Well, <laughs> besides the elk or a deer, <laughs> besides the baby deer. Yeah. <laughs> well, what happened was, now I look back. These are some of the best days of my life. Yet in the midst of the storm, I never would have said that. I couldn't wait to get out of the storm. Now I look back on the storm and I see that I had been in the embrace of God the entire time. In addition to the divorce, I was also dealing with the loss of my mom. I was coming out of the army, coming out of the DEA, moving across the country. There were a lot of big changes happening in a very short window of time. And I recall that one of the people I reached out to for support was Jeff Martone. <laughs> and Jeff Martone is a world-renowned kettlebell instructor, a true warrior, former agent. The guy is amazing. And I get him on the phone. He's in Tennessee. And he's like, you know, Greg, that's a lot of life coming down quickly, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> so then I think, I know, I'm going to call Mark Devine. Mark is bound to have some words of encouragement for me. So I call Mark on the same road trip as I'm relocating my life. Mark says, oh, man, I bet this hurts like hell, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I'm not going to call anybody else. (laughs) But it just so happens I'd had enough money and the resources to purchase an old Airstream. And I leased a parcel of property in the hills of Aptos, California, Coralitos specifically, which is a beautiful part of Santa Cruz County. For approximately two months, I lived the life of a hermit. I locked myself in this Airstream and I just spent hours and then days and then weeks in silence. I had no one to talk to, so I naturally drifted into silence. Part of that silent period was what I felt God to be challenging me to identify what happened then to write what happened down, ultimately to prevent me from making the same mistakes. Those lessons that I wrote down ultimately took the form of a book that I never really planned on writing. It Mm -hmm. was simply meant to be getting what happened in my head out on paper. But through the encouragement of my brothers, Jeff Martone, George Ryan, they read what was basically notes to myself. They'd read through it and said, oh man, we are making the same mistakes. We're doing the exact same things that you were doing that led to what was likely the demise of your relationship. And then it's when I realized, oh man, 
if, if my own brothers and some of my dearest friends are making these same mistakes, it's likely other people are as well. So those notes to myself became my, my first book, Your Wife is Not Your Sister. That's an encouragement that I've had on the show. I, was like, I, always, I always encourage people, you know, I say reading is, is one thing, and you can learn a great deal by reading. Mm-hmm. But it, it's writing that is the challenging, and you could probably learn a little bit more by writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think writing is what initially started this project, especially after the passing and the lessons I learned from my dad to mm-hmm. start writing. Mm-hmm. And I got some dark stuff. I couldn't believe some of the stuff that came out. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not, I haven't ever like fully, I'm not, you know, there's no reason to release that. Yeah. But it's sitting like, holy smokes. And what comes out when you get into that, uh, you know, in cognitive state, mm-hmm. I guess you can say from, if you guys know what a baddie interview is, but um, I really encourage people to write. Mm-hmm. That's my point. Mm-hmm. Write. Were you writing uh, to yourself? Like, did you write in third person? Like, who were you talking to? I was talking to myself. I was just writing. I would reflect on mistakes that I'd made because that's what I felt God challenging me to do. Can you identify the mistakes that were made? And I reflected and I saw moments in time with my former wife. And I saw a moment and I observed in my mind, in my memory, the way that I behaved. Something I said, something I did. And I realized, oh, I wish I could do that over again. And I had a feeling, just based on the way my understanding at the time the universe worked, that I would have another opportunity. The only hope I had in not making the same mistake and not doing what I had done was to write it down and observe it on paper, to take it out of my mind and put it on paper and to observe it independent of my feelings about it. Just matter of factly, oh man, A led to B. (laughs) <laughs> you know, the, the effect was caused by this. And if yes. I do that again, I'll get the same effect. Do you ever figure out who you were? What do you mean? The guy that I've seen like in the YouTube videos mm-hmm. and even, even, uh, uh, the guy that we linked up with after bigger Vegas in, in Vegas, that's right. right. Yeah, that's yeah. right, bro. I remember that. Wow. But even that guy is, is it was like the caterpillar to what you are now. Mm-hmm. And and there's been so I'm you know been ta- paying attention to your trajectory, and there's been certain little things that have just catapulted you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, parents, you you had the divorce. Uh, your little meeting with uh, Mark Devine down at the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain life lessons that came up that you see Blinko, Price is Right. You know what I'm talking about? Probably not. You probably don't have a TV. <laughs> but the show, they drop, they drop a thing down, and it bounces off certain things, and it, and it kind of like pushes you, and in, 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 it's where you end up. You're trying to get in certain little areas. It's like mm-hmm. ding, 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 ding. Mm. And so there's certain little things that have come up, um, and, you, and you've grown so much. I'm kind of curious, like, if you're looking back, like, who were you, and who are you now? Well, I'll tell you this. You know, a, a couple of things. It's such a good question, such a rich question. The first one is scripture says that God works out everything in a pattern for good for those who love him. I've always loved God. I believe that that is why circumstances that could have brought someone else to their knees brought me to my knees, but then I got up stronger. I was able to see the experience and learn from it. What I've learned from these experiences is that What's even more important than any experience we have in our life is our thoughts about the experience. That's ultimately what shapes us. 
What's so important is that we always retain the ability. We have independence of thought. We get to choose how we think. What's amazing is that when we change the way we think about something, what we think about begins to change. It's an amazing concept. And for the listener that's inspired by that, I'd recommend Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl, I think, is the real authority. If there's anyone that can teach this principle with a great deal of authority and credibility, it's Viktor Frankl. That, um, and finding your why, of mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. right? I actually, the book is right behind me. Um, very powerful book, especially when it comes, he was, um, oh, uh, imprisoned in World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, in the uh, Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And he's, he ended up being like 88 pounds or something like that, tortured. Yeah. His whole family was killed by the Nazi and then, captives. And, and really, when it comes down to no matter what your environment is, no matter what your body's going through, no matter what someone's doing to you, um, you are in control of that. I think two things. I'm going to say two things. Mm-hmm. You're in control of your thought and your breath. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might not be in control of your breath. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're underwater. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or someone, you know. But either way, those two things... If you can realize that you are in control of those things, then you become, that's like the, the path of the warrior, like mm-hmm. you said, mm-hmm. and uh, such a powerful lesson. Yeah. And it seems so simple mm-hmm. Like you can control your thoughts. Um, in your book, you talk about actually probably most of your publications, you're talking about that, mm-hmm. but can you go over, um, your thoughts and, uh, cause and effect? Mm, yeah, that's a awesome topic to consider the cause of effects what i initially proposed to the reader is that the one true cause of everything is god now how the reader how you how anyone may choose to identify with god whether it be god spirit nature universe unified field of consciousness there is one ultimate source that source is holding the universe in place. That source is responsible for everything that's created. The tendency of the mind is to focus on what's been created, to focus on effects. The warrior path is about reverse engineering the effects to their cause. If we're pleased with the effects of our life, it still benefits us to know what the cause was so we can have more of the effects we're desirous of. Now, if we're identifying the effects that we're no longer desirous of experiencing, we still need to go back to the cause to ensure that we do not (laughs) experience more of these particular effects. But either way, the journey is to the cause, the source. And, and just to make it super clear, because hopefully um, the listeners aren't hitting the rewind button too much, <laughs> but in your book on page 31 here, it says, the cause was within me, and the effect was therefore outside of me. Mm-hmm. So it's another way of kind of trying to visualize mm-hmm. that. What we realize is we continue to reverse engineer further and further and further and further back to the source. We come to the thought. The thought is the cause of every subsequent effect. The believer may go one step further 
in remembrance that we're made in the image of God. Now, for the, for the rest of the show, I think the, the, the roots of this is going to be the cause. Mm-hmm. And everything is going to tie back into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that I kind of, I'd like, I, I, I'd like you to know this, is that I've never really, you know, I don't know if it was the way I was raised, like I wasn't brought to church, I wasn't mm-hmm. like, I had no formal training, uh, no one really taught me much, I wasn't really given scripture, mm-hmm. I, you know, just floating around, here I am, what's going on guys, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for a long time, I had this, not animosity, towards even the, the term God or the rules and in, in the in the pictures, you know, mm-hmm. you know, all the but to me I kind of viewed it as as an external thing. It's like I am strong enough. Like mm-hmm. I believe in myself. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm strong enough. I don't need an external thing to go put my belief in. Mm-hmm. So then reading your book <laughs> <laughs> flipped it on me uh-huh. and then i i kind of relate i relate back to what um uh reverend uh deborah johnson the author of the sacred yes and your deepest intent said in here she said that uh your book makes experiencing god a little more accessible mm. and so out of anything i've ever been exposed to that this book here has hit me the hit me the most because i realized the entire time i was always driven by what's inside of me and i'm like wait a second has that been God the whole time? Hmm. Hmm. I'm still like trying to, trying to marinate on the whole entire idea myself, mm-hmm. but I just want to say thank you. So you that means to, a lot, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and it kind of, it totally changed my perspective, you know, and, and, yeah. and to make, it's almost made me feel like a lot more, um, connected and, and big and small at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, Anthony Robbins, a phenomenal teacher, leader, he says that the quality of our life is often determined by the quality of the questions we ask ourselves. One of my seminary professors says that the greatest question to contemplate is God. Because the way that we view God, the way we understand God, shapes our entire life. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I think part of the, and again, I, I kind of, ironic, I, I lack the word to describe what I'm even trying to describe, mm-hmm. but the idea in the human context of the, the, the words that I have, I don't really have a way to explain what that even means. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling, mm-hmm. and that's about it, and sometimes that feeling I can't really put out in words, so mm-hmm. um, even that relationship with God is like a... It's hard to put in words, I guess. Mm-hmm. is Brother, it's hard for me to put it into words also. <laughs> well, you're doing a good job. <laughs> but the, the, maybe it's through these stories and stuff and you're mm-hmm. studying. Um, mm-hmm. um, but it's working. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a, man, I don't Thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And so part of that, um, and the way I've kind of def- you know, dissected the rest of the conversation is you know, how do how do you how do you master oneself? Mm. Now I'll break that down. I know there's a lot of parts here, and you're so incredibly full of content that it's not going to get done in one podcast. 
lucky for us, you have books and your own podcast and, you know, the Greg Amundsen show, which by the way, thank you for doing. Thank you for encouraging me to <laughs> <Yeah>. do it. <laughs> we, we had, uh, I remember without you, there would be no Greg Amundsen show. Well, dude, I was like getting mad. <laughs> it's like, have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? What's going on? Greg, you need to have your show. This is what we're going to call it. You know, it's like, I'm a producer. Let's... I think the initial, uh, uh, title was, um, warrior of light. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And then went to the Greg Amundsen show, which probably makes more sense. I think I, you know, I think I'm sometimes saying warrior, the term warrior can be a little off-putting for females. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming I'm not a female, but I think culturally we always assume warriors as a male figure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've seen Wonder Woman. She seems like a warrior to me. <laughs> um, so we talk about how to master oneself and in turn, how mastering oneself leads into greater service mm-hmm. to others. Mm-hmm. And that kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, being driven by commitment to serve others starts with and a quote, semi quote, cause I don't remember exactly from, um, our dear friend, Josh Montz is you, you have to love yourself. And if you love yourself, loving yourself is leading yourself. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you become a greater service to others. Mm-hmm. And, so I want to get create like a little Cliff Notes version of how to do that, mm-hmm. and I want to break it down into three parts. Okay. Okay. Body, mind, and spirit. Okay. There's a lot more to it. There's, you know, those are just three books, and so we're yeah. gonna we're gonna do Cliff Notes on each chapter. Yeah, here. it's a good good way to approach it. Yeah, because we could talk about, you know, the spirit all day long. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about. Let's start off with uh, strengthening the body. Now we have CrossFit, right? Mm-hmm. Great, great prescription Mm -hmm. lucky for us we're alive at a certain point in time in our age that that hat was exposed to us Mm -hmm. otherwise we probably still i mean uh, who knows we probably still be hitting skull crushers and 21s all day long Mm -hmm. you know tuesday's arms and back you know Mm -hmm. i don't know (laughs) um so but not just that not just not just um crossfit right crossfit is 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 kind of a blanket thing of, of you know functional movement Constantly varied functional movement, high intensity, mm-hmm. if I remember from mm-hmm. my level one. But there's also, uh, now each one of these are, are, you know, intertwined with the other one. And there's always, there's going to be also the two components that transcend all of them. And we talked about earlier, and that is breathing and thinking. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the body and moving and, and uh, chasing virtuosity mm-hmm. and strengthening the body there. Mm-hmm. And then how to improve that. And again, that's nutrition and training. But let's start out. Let me ask you this. Define for me your definition of what a fire breather is. Hmm. Well, I actually think I have it somewhere. Yeah, we have, we have the actual definition. I was asked by the community to define fire breather in, might have been around 2008, and we may need to actually consult the book to get the actual definition, but I recall that it is one who... Here we go. Yeah, help me out. Yeah. <laughs> what do we have here? Fire breather. One who embraces the trials and tribulations of great physical challenge, A. B, an optimistic energy often associated with the heart of an athlete. So pretty good. So what, I guess what I'm saying here with the body is if we're training that physically... You might start off, first of all, just trying to do squats mm-hmm. is the beginning and being optimistic that you're going to learn it mm-hmm. and then 
and trying to get into a spot where you can actually move your body the way it's supposed to move. Mm-hmm. And that could take a long time. Mm-hmm. But strengthening the body um, in the first place, and how is that related to the source? Hmm. Well, the, the, the word you use that I'm, I'm in love with, this word, virtuosity. So virtuosity was taught to me by Coach Glassman. Virtuosity means doing the common uncommonly well. Virtuosity may be very well the unifying attribute of developing the mind, the body, and the spirit. Because if we pursue virtuosity in physical adaptation, we're doing things like squat, like push-up, which are basic common movements, yet in the pursuit of mastery, we have to embrace virtuosity. We have to be willing to do these common skills uncommonly well. Fast forward to the mind. Thinking is common. We all think. Mastery is about thinking uncommonly well. We all have spirit. We all have a quality of spirit within us. Mastery is about understanding the nature of our spirituality in an uncommon way. To move beyond the common explanation of a spirit of core. Yep. To move beyond that understanding of spirit to something deeper. Have you learned anything or has anything changed in your training since the old days of CrossFit? Greater pursuit of virtuosity, greater and greater pursuit of doing these common movements uncommonly well. Then as I mature, I find that they are all beautifully interrelated. So one of the most amazing things I was ever told in the context of a physical practice First, with Mark Devine. Mark Devine told me that the entire practice of yoga may be found in a single sun salutation. (laughs) Now, if we unpack that, we can see why. In a single sun salutation, you have yoga asana, you have movement, you have breath, you have the mind. It's all there. It's an entire practice. Then... Coach Glassman, the founder of CrossFit, told me that the greatest adaptation to CrossFit is between the ears. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. one that I'm still unpacking to this day. That was told to me in 2004. That was something that changed the trajectory of my life entirely. That statement's profound. Because think about the temptation of engaging in CrossFit or any other physical practice for the benefit of the physical adaptation. Yep. It's so common. And even that understanding, the greatest adaptation between the ears, that could be applied to spirituality as well. Because one of the unifying warnings of all the spiritual texts is be mindful of associating your worth, your wealth, your achievement, your accolade with anything in the material world which is exactly what Glassman said. The greatest adaptation will not be found in the physical realm. Wow. You know, I just thought of this right now because I've heard that statement. Again, when you say it, it sounds different to me. <laughs> but I think one of the, the, the adaptation there but between the ears as it relates to CrossFit or in the body or in the movement mm-hmm. is, is, at least I've learned, stillness in movement. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's obviously is tied into thinking and breath, but also experience. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, your, your first Fran, you might hold your breath for the first 15 reps of your thrusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the ability to stay calm, mm-hmm. which I believe is a superpower, mm-hmm. by the way. Ability to stay focused. Um, the intelligence of movement. The intel- Also, um, the, the, the positive mindset of things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't do it right then, keeping like that unbroken mindset and keep training that you will do it mm-hmm. is, is hugely important. Mm-hmm. It's like the story you, you tell of the, of the, uh, the two guys competing at a CrossFit weekend, mm-hmm. uh, uh, CrossFit seminar, right? And the guy, um, just really quick, tell the story at the end there. Well, this is the great story. This led to Glassman making the profession. The greatest adaptation oh, takes right. place. That it was this event that unfolded between us that oh, led to that statement. So briefly, there were two athletes that had been going head-to-head in all the workouts of what was then a three-day level one course with three workouts a day, the quality of Fran, Fight Gone Bad, Helen, all on the same day. It was those days of CrossFit. At the very end, there were two stations in the final workout, clean and jerk, 30 reps, followed by 10 muscle-ups. The athletes finished the clean and jerk station at the same time. They're sprinting across the gym to the muscle-up station. On their way there, one athlete says, I've never done a muscle-up before. Today, I'm going to get my first one. Off they go to the rings. The other athlete, side by side, says nearly the same thing. I've never done a muscle-up before. There's no way I can finish this final workout. A few moments later, both guys are underneath the rings. They get a false grip. The athlete that said, I can do it, achieves his first muscle-up. The athlete that says, I'll never be able to do it. I can't finish this workout never comes close, ultimately gives up, fails. The other athlete that said, I can do it, he gets nine more for 10 to win the workout. Wow. Well, you're both right. They're both right. They both fulfilled their expectations. And that, so, so to spend just a brief amount of time, um, you're still doing CrossFit and you're still doing uh, zone diet. Mm-hmm. And... Just so you know, I did have oatmeal and hard-boiled eggs this morning. <laughs> I'm circling back. I'm like, you know what? Greg looks amazing. He's been doing it this long. I'm going to start doing this again. <laughs> um, and still doing four blocks throughout the day? Three or four block meals, but still at 18 blocks total per day. And uh, if you guys don't know, it's the Zone Diet. I'm not going to get into it. It's not a Zone Diet podcast. Just Google it. Look it up. It's actually... I tell people you have the paleo and zone have been two two kind of popular um, diets that have been made public through through CrossFit, also other other areas of fitness. And I tell people paleo is the quality control, mm-hmm. and zone is quantity control. Mm-hmm. Both are equally important. Well said. So that's I think the best I ever felt was when I was doing paleo zone. Mm-hmm. Very, and that's paleo for like a year and eight months. Holy smoke, I would wake up and it was like, like, I couldn't, I woke up, no pain, popped up, like alert, my fingernails are stronger. Like, <laughs> it was just outstanding. Yeah. And then I got pneumonia and started eating pizza and I'm still recovering. Whoa. <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, so that's the body. And I think that's, none of, none of this is simple or easy, but then again, it, it's simpler and easy. Mm-hmm. Also, I think what's important too, because we're talking about, 
mastery in the service of others. Yes. So everything we're doing, whether it be mastering the body, mastering the mind, mastering the spirit, everything we're doing, the motive we have to return to, the purpose, the why. The why is we're doing this to be of greater service. And I'll never forget, it was like yesterday, I was speaking at the Wounded Warrior Summit in Austin, Texas with Kyle Maynard. Nice. Kyle was speaking about this very topic and what he said was that the stronger the why in your life, the stronger your life will be. Now, Kyle reversed engineered this process. I talk about it in Fire Breather Fitness. Most people exist in the world of what. They're very responsive to what is happening around them never stopping to consider their responsibility, their influence in what's happening. They're just responding to what's happening. They're the victim of what's happening in many respects. Now, some people break through and begin to consider how they can respond to what's happening with the hope that if they respond skillfully, maybe what's happening won't happen again. (laughs) That's good. That's a major leap forward in consciousness. Yet what Kyle said is in the heart of everything is why. When we contemplate the why of our life, the purpose of our life, the meaning of our life, that's when things can really take on a new sense of beauty when we contemplate that quality of question. And afterwards, that's when Kyle hit me as we were comparing notes. He's like, you know, Greg, the stronger the why of your life, the stronger your life will be. (laughs) it's awesome yep it's awesome uh i think sometimes you get you get force fed a lesson in in having your body fit and you know you had that we both have had that in our law enforcement duties Mm -hmm. uh or the the, the role of professional good guy and sometimes you get tested there Mm -hmm. you're forced you put in a position you know, you see the worst parts of human behavior mm-hmm. and sometimes have to put people on adult timeout and they might not mm-hmm. want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that happens mm-hmm. and you're forced at that. But I think, and we both have lessons there. Like my, you know, I got a CPR, uh, uh, a two week old baby not breathing, eight flights up. I was just like fresh out of CPR class. I was at a hotel like a block away. So I go there, I immediately go up. There's already another officer there. I look, he's waiting for the elevator. I look mm-hmm. up at the elevator and I see, you can see like where they're at mm-hmm. and they're nowhere near the first floor. Mm-hmm. So like without just immediately up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And so from, and you know, going from sitting down in your wool and your, your vest and the patrol bell and the boots and it's summertime mm-hmm. sitting down and then immediately trying to sprint up eight flights of stairs mm-hmm. for the, for people. It's almost like, imagine just sitting at home and then immediately doing Fran like no warm up, <laughs> mm-hmm. just go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because I had this feeling like prior around floor six, something hit me. Mm. Um, and it was like, that's what this, this is why I've been doing what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. It hit me like all those workouts. I'm like, this is why. Mm-hmm. So I can get up here and be of service. Mm-hmm. If I had like, stopped or puked and like not being able to get up there to be in a position in a life-saving position. That's, I don't know. That's something as somebody that's in a professional service role, I don't think I could live with. Mm -hmm. 
And so being able to do that and being in a position to provide service, super important. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, goes without saying. That's awesome. But also I want to point out that it's also a great service because somebody in your, you have people in your family, you have loved ones, you're a father, you're a mother, you're a grandpa, you're a son. If you can focus on that, if you're missing your why, mm. do what you can to be strong for them. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes you're not reminded of that until it's too late. Mm. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know, being able to being able to pick up my kids is a blessing. Mm -hmm. And it feels like CrossFit keep the back straight, you know, sometimes <laughs> deadlift or uh -huh. clean and jerk yeah. or or uh, you know carrying a large load long distance quickly, mm -hmm. filling that role. You have two roles like. Um, uh, public servant, and then for me, dad. Mm. Those two, like, it's on. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I bully myself in here. Mm -hmm. You know, what happens to me in this in this little thought chamber of mine or uh, gym yeah. is going to be worse than what I face out there. Right. Because once I get out there, now I'm calm. Now I'm like, this is now I'm relaxed. I've been here before mm -hmm. and prepared. Mm -hmm. So prepare yourself for life, folks. Mm -hmm. Now the other two might be a little bigger. Now the mind. Mm -hmm. Now what I have, I already I, I t in my notes I wrote greatest adaptation, and I actually wrote your why and purpose. We kind of cover those, mm -hmm. but one of the things I I do want to talk about is self talk mm -hmm. and how important that is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's something that people do much. Maybe they do, um, but I want to share a little story, a little trick that I've been doing. Uh, when I've been training and I start to feel a little down, first of all, body positioning. Um, standing upright, keeping mm -hmm. your head up, um, not bending over, not feeling sorry for yourself, mm -hmm. being in control of your posture. Trick, it's like a it, it, it's a mind trick, mm -hmm. or to to make yourself stronger. Is it look strong when you're weak? I guess is one way to put it. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, sometimes if I do bend over, I immediately start hearing uh, Mickey from Rocky in my head for mm -hmm. some reason. Or I start, like, I have, like, a boxing count. Like, I'm not <laughs> It's weird. Yeah. That's why I'm, like, and then it gets me right back up. Nope. Yeah. But, um, uh, and to keep moving is another thing. Keep moving forward. Keep moving mm. forward. But another thing I do is I hold my arm out like this. Just real quick. I'll go like this. And I'll, I'll like, and I'll just hit myself. Boom. Huh. And it's, in my head, it's my shield. And I'm just banging on my shield. Ah, that's awesome. As a little reminder. And then, Boom. Because then it goes back to my why, yeah, right. And that's then awesome. If, and so if I'm training and trying to stay strong, what does the shield do, right? It covers it covers you, but more importantly, you're protecting your buddies with it. Mm -hmm. And so that's like a little a little thing I do a little. And then like I can't be weak at that point. Mm, that's awesome, bro. It's like a little trick. Is yeah. it? So in a way, that is some self talk. Or so please explain what I mean by self talk. Self talk. We all talk to ourselves. Yep. Whether or not we're conscious of it or not is an entirely other story. So the first part of self-talk is simply being aware of the quality of the thoughts that are in our mind, which necessitates space between the thought and our awareness of the thought. Then, as we develop the ability to assess the quality of our thought, we're in a better position to determine if the quality of thought we are now aware of is in alignment with our purpose, with our why, with all that God has designed us to be. If that thought is in alignment, then we want to strengthen that thought through repetition. If the thought is not in alignment, then we need to replace it 
with a thought that is in alignment. The first step in either case is that awareness, the space between the thought and our awareness of the thought. It's like, it's, uh, man, is it, I think it might've been Frankel that's talking about, uh, uh, the thought and stimulus. Mm-hmm. In fact, you have an awesome story that I've put to use mm-hmm. and it, it, it completely, uh, it helped me. And I think, I think it was articulated in a fantastic way. And that's the story of you with, uh, Mark divine on the cargo net. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so an expedited journey through that story as I was preparing for the DEA forward advisory support team, 30 day assessment and selection of which evolutions at height would be a big part of the testing sequencing. I was scared of heights. (laughs) So I knew someone who was not scared of heights, who had mastered heights. That's Mark Devine. I call Mark and ask if he can mentor me and help me to prepare for this upcoming assessment. He says, absolutely. Let's meet at the Navy SEAL compound in Coronado. We meet, I'm anticipating, hoping that Mark's going to begin with a lecture, some notes on how to navigate heights. (laughs) Instead, he's wearing BDUs, no shirt, follow me, dead sprint through the soft sand. I'm doing everything I can to keep up with him. And we're approaching the infamous cargo net on the compound. And as we get closer, Mark accelerates his speed. It's evident to me there's no safety brief coming. (laughs) Instead, he just leaps onto the cargo net and starts climbing up. And I carefully grab on and climb up next to him. And we get to the very top and he says, "Hoo yeah, great job. Now I want you to climb up over that massive pole. Look like a telephone pole made of wood. I want Mm -hmm. you to go over that pole, climb down the other side. And in that moment, I just locked up on the rope because I thought we go up and we come back down the same way. And I really want to hit this home. It's high. That (laughs) cargo net is not small. (laughs) You look at it and like, eh. But then you start getting up it and you realize, and it's straight up and there's no, it's just sand and dirt below you. It's just, just, it's it's like so simple and yet so frightening. Mm -hmm. Or is it? It was very frightening. It was the highest I'd ever been in my life. Oh, for, it's the highest climbing apparatus out there. Yeah. And I mean, what is it, like three, four, five stories? I forget. Either way, it's high enough that you, if you <laughs> fail, you're going you're gonna to regret it. Yeah. <laughs> it won't end well. And there's nothing there to catch you. Mm-hmm. And so you're there clinging on. Clinging on. And Mark likely set up this training evolution for me to have this as a pinnacle moment. He knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, when I lock onto the rope, he says to me, first, Greg, this would be a great time to take a breath. And I tell people that that was likely the first conscious breath I'd taken my entire life. <laughs> and in The Warrior and the Monk, the monk describes the fact that mindful breathing and automatic breathing are worlds apart. And that's true for everything. That comes back to virtuosity. Mm -hmm. Mindful thinking and thinking are not the same thing. Mindful breathing and breathing are not the same thing. Mindful movement and 
mindless movement are not the same thing. Virtuosity is always about doing the common things uncommonly well. In order to do something uncommonly well, you have to have pure awareness. You have to be very conscious of what you're doing. So I took a deep breath and metaphorically, I loosened my grip first in my mind, then ever so softly, yeah. ever so lightly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I loosened my grip on the rope. And then Mark said, point to the cause of stress. Like, what's causing you stress? Can you point to it? And in that moment of self-awareness, self-reflection, that was only possible in the space of that breath, I realized, wow, what's causing me fear, stress, anxiety is my thinking. It's all in my head. And if I can think this way and experience these feelings and these emotions, I can do it the other way as well. I can use my mind for good. It was an amazing lesson that Mark taught me in that moment. Yeah, you're up there, you're up there with like gripping fear and with each conscious breath, that fear is moving further away. Mm -hmm. And then in that space, you get to choose what to fill it with. Mm -hmm. It's one way I like to explain mm -hmm. it to people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes visualizing that thing moving away helps. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, it's just me. Oh, oh, you want me to do that? Okay. Mm -hmm. Also, st not staring at the ground, or staring at the ground, but breathing. Mm -hmm. um, and then you climbed over. Mm -hmm. Did you do the rest of the course? We did everything except the slide. The rope slide. I'm not sure what that obstacle or evolution yeah, yeah, yeah. is called. We, we do like almost like inverted reverse muscle ups, you know, then you put over in your leg. and then Right. You know, those teams go through with a boat on. All, yeah. Mark told me. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <Man>. like, yeah. <laughs> and the record is like six minutes or something crazy. Incredible. If you guys are curious, look up the, um, you know, Navy SEAL obstacle course Coronado. Mm -hmm. And you, you guys, you'll, you'll see what we're talking about. And it's, it's beautiful in its simplicity, mm -hmm. yet how effective it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll share a, another story because you said something earlier that's so true, so important for the listener to understand. You mentioned posture mm -hmm. regarding self-talk. I talk about this in Fire Breather Fitness. There's an amazing warrior leader. At the time I knew him, it was Captain Perry, subsequently Major Perry, I was in Fort Lewis with Coach Glassman and Josh Everett. We were teaching a group of 19th Special Forces operators CrossFit. Three-day certification, all courses were outdoors. On the final day of the final workout, all of us, including Josh and I, we are annihilated. Yet there's still one more workout to go. Coach Glassman is briefing the final workout, which is outdoors on the track. It's December. Fort Lewis, miserable conditions. Glassman says, all right, you guys need to get it together. You're not done yet. There's one more workout. And as a matter of fact, I need five people to do this workout in 20 minutes or less, or no one graduates from this course. He then looks to Captain Perry and says, Captain Perry, choose your five men who will do this final workout. All of us are in a circle. We all have our backs rounded hands are on our knees, classic position of defeat. And I'm looking at Captain Perry because part of me feels like no one can do this. And 
I know I can't do this. And so I hope he doesn't pick me because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to let everyone down. There's yeah, no way I can do and this. You're doing that classic, like, <laughs> classic, like eyes down. Exactly. Don't make eye contact with me. <laughs> exactly. So I'm watching Captain Perry thinking, what is he going to do? Who's he going to pick? And rather than picking anybody, he stands up, takes a, takes a deep breath. And then he says, it's okay, men. I've got this one. I will do the final workout. He takes off into a dead sprint in the final workout. In that moment, every single one of us does the same thing. We stand up, we take a breath, even though four of us were required to follow after him to make the team of five, everyone followed. We all completed the workout well under the time limit. I go up to Captain Perry afterwards. I was already in the army with a goal of one day being an army captain. <laughs> and I looked at Captain Perry and said, Captain Perry, that was absolutely awesome. How did you do that? What did you do? Teach me. And he said, well, I realized that we were all in a position of defeat. And speaking in the first person, Captain Perry said, I knew that I needed to put my body into a position that my mind would follow. And that's what you're referring to. Mm -hmm. That's the power that we all have with our posture when we are able to discern the fact that we're not using our intellect our mind to the highest potential possible it's very likely that in that moment of self-awareness our body is complementing the quality of our mind so what captain perry tapped into in many respects was the body mind connection Right, Because we often refer to it as the mind-body, and it could work that way, but sometimes we need to reverse engineer it. We simply need to put our body into a position that is going to lead our mind the direction we want to go. That's what got me over the wall when I was rappelling. I, it, was just, <sighs> it was like a weird thing where just forcing the body, and okay, mind, like, <laughs> hang on tight, I'm moving the yeah. body. That's so, awesome. For some reason, that didn't used to be a thing, but after kids, some sort of yeah. weird, like, inherent. You know, another, because now you got me going, brother. Another great story. There's this guy I used to train with, former Navy SEAL. His name is Chris Smith. This guy is just legendary. Now, there's two Chris Smith. There's, there's Chris Smith, who was my instructor at SEAL Fit. This is another Chris Smith. It must be a true warrior name. <laughs> but Chris said that when he was a, a student going through BUDS, there was this sand run, maybe a five mile soft sand run that was a standard evolution for the guys. And he had a knee injury that was preventing him from making the time limit on this particular run. He had one more opportunity to make the run in the time limit and he's running through the sand. And of course the knee starts to cause him pain. And he says to himself, he says, knee, I'm going to leave you here or you can come with me, but either way I'm going. <laughs> you know, that's the power of the mind. He's, his mind is telling his knee, I'm going. And you're either going to come with me or I'm leaving you here. And I always remembered like, wow, that's, that's what it takes. Like when the mind can be that certain of its capacity, the body was going to have to follow. Yep. Yet there's sometimes, just like your experience, well, sometimes you have to lead with the body and the mind's going to have to catch up. <laughs> That, I mean, so many experiences. Sometimes I feel that way on the second mile of Murph. Mm -hmm. Just go body. Mm -hmm. Keep, don't, don't stop. Like, keep your feet moving. Mm -hmm. There's another story also. I forget where it came from. It was talking about, um, 
somebody quitting and it was during a run and, and the story goes like you can quit if your feet are moving. Mm. Oh, you can only quit if your feet are moving. Mm. It's kind of weird. Like this yeah. whole like, well, it put me in position. Well, I guess I can't because right. there's no way to stop. Right. Um, by the way, that second mile sure is a test of character, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's what I tell people. That's like, it, that's where the workout is. It's uh-huh. like you build up just so you can see how that last mile feels. Right. Um, we talked about breathing within the mind. Also the cargo, the cargo net story and making that, that deliberate conscious breath. And I want to we'll get into that a little bit more, but now I want to move into, uh, the spirit, the spirit part and that, that calmness and the stillness and the tranquility. Mm-hmm. And again, this is another gigantic topic that we can talk about forever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know necessarily there's an order of the body, mind, spirit. You know, I don't think there's an order. They're all interrelated and intertwined. And mm-hmm. you, can't, you, can't, you can't necessarily put one in front of the other. But if you could, maybe it's spirit. I don't know, mm-hmm. depending on how you want to argue it. Well, what I'm up to these days, Josh and I, Josh Montz and I had mm-hmm. an amazing conversation about this. And that's why Glassman's statement that the greatest adaptation is between the ears still resonates with me. Consider the implications of in CrossFit, foundational movement, functional movement is defined by a unique quality. The quality is the body's inclination to move from core to extremity. In the early days of CrossFit, the word functional was known in different communities in entirely different ways. So in the early days of CrossFit, coaches from around the world made a pilgrimage to Santa Cruz to learn from Coach Glassman and to teach Coach Glassman about functional movement. Therefore, we saw a wide variety of skills some of which we were scratching our head thinking, where's the functional application? Others where we're not in agreement, that's functional. What Glassman realized is that if CrossFit in its definition is functional movement, high intensity, constant variance, if we're claiming to be doing functional movement, we had to identify our terms. One of the ways that Glassman identified functional movement was the body's ability to move a large load a long distance quickly which is necessitated by core to extremity. Now that core to extremity principle has immense relevance for spirituality. Yes. I want to point something out to someone. Mm -hmm. Core to extremity, it translates into any like athletic movement. Anything. And so think about it this way. Imagine throwing a punch, but like you can't Mm -hmm. use your core. You just only your arm. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be like a little noodly flick of a mm-hmm. of your of your forearm and upper arm. It's mm-hmm. nothing. But if you add the power of your core and your hips, and now you're rotating into it, the the amount of power translates a lot more, mm-hmm. and it comes from the core. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Beautiful example. Another example that is in the book, The Warrior and the Monk, is a large. Even a kettlebell, 73-pound kettlebell. Most athletes can swing the kettlebell when they understand the application of the hips, how you can generate power in the body through a wave of lateral contraction from your core to the extremity, the core being the midsection, 
the extremity in this case being the kettlebell. Now imagine standing up straight and holding that kettlebell directly in front of you with arms fully extended right in front of your eyes. Not many people would be able to hold that kettlebell for any length of time, if at all. Yet they can swing it easily with core to extremity application. Mm -hmm. So what I'm up to these days is reframing, recontextualizing, reconsidering the application, the implication of core to extremity in the context of spirituality. Because our core, our true core, that millions of people around the world are trying to strengthen in CrossFit, in functional movement, it doesn't stop with the body. We've got to move further within. The true core, that's the spiritual quality, the inherent spirituality that we all have. You know, he, um, and Josh, if you guys are curious, Josh was also on the podcast recently. And uh, in the future, is going to come on the Sisu way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, phenomenal uh, podcast interview for me. Mm-hmm. And if you guys listen to it and know what I'm about, you'll know why. Mm. Also, check him out. He was also on on the Greg Amundsen show. Because um, he told me that too. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't like fully recovered from it. Because <laughs> obviously, it's like that between that and then studying, getting into this, up, uh, you know, the warrior and the monk. I'm like, holy, mo-. it's like, and I've been doing CrossFit for over 10 years. And now I'm finally like, wow. So mm-hmm. um, developing that also comes through thinking and breathing. Mm-hmm. And I want to get more, I want to I dissect breathing a little bit more. But can we talk a little bit about yoga and how that can strengthen the mm-hmm. spirit? Mm-hmm. Well, what we, what we know right away is with developing, seeking to master, and I think it's important we point out too that the path of the warrior is never self-mastered. Mastery implies that it's a daily practice. The term that I love is sadhana, which is a Sanskrit term which means dedication to daily practice. Every day we dedicate ourselves as warriors to self-mastery, which implies it's never done. (laughs) With the mind, the body, and the spirit, the breath is the gateway to all three. It's what yokes the term we understand with yoga, to yoke, to join, what joins these seemingly independent pursuits is the breath. We can always come back to the breath. Now, now I'm going to stop you know, delaying the inevitable here, and I want to define what that means. I know what it means, but I want to define it on this podcast so many other people out there and future generations. Um, now I can think of, for me, immediately I think of two different types. And it's box breathing and nostril breathing. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of give the, uh, you know, the basic instructions on those? What do you want to define? What do you mean well, by let's, define? Well, let's box breathing. Or let me rephrase it into more of uh, our style, as I like to say, warrior breathing. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? I just reminded myself. I was walking, going for a walk out here with my, my five-year-old son. And he's coming to a certain point in his life where he's not just like, he's not a baby anymore. Mm. Well, he's still my baby, but he's, he's like, he's like, he's on the path of like becoming a man. Mm. And we're walking and I'm talking, summer's coming up 
and we're talking about learning martial arts and learning swimming, spending time in the ocean, yeah. like, and starting to really teach him some, some man stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I told him, I was like, hey, do you want to start doing yoga with me? And he's like, dad, I do yoga at school. I'm like, well, awesome, first of all. Yeah. And then, well, no, we'll try and do something. We'll do warrior yoga. He's like, yeah. He's mm-hmm. like, well, and then do you want to learn how to do warrior breathing? He's like, is that like Darth Vader? <laughs> <laughs> so in his head, yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, we can practice that too. Mm-hmm. But and just so getting him doing that, and I've actually, and by default, started doing that. And it's really helped him because he has like some ADD stuff and he's a little boy, just nonstop energy. Uh-huh. So getting a kid like that to focus on, on some warrior breathing is going to make him grow, I hope hopefully further than I have because I learned all this stuff much later on life than than he is. And so for someone that doesn't know what warrior breathing is, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Awesome brother. Well, I think I've got a good answer for you. Then we can break down the mechanics of it. There's an old Testament story about the power of the breath. It comes from the old Testament book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet who had a vision that he was in the Valley of Dry Bones. There's thousands of dry bones in this valley. And suddenly he hears the word of God telling him, prophesies to the bones, command the bones to come to life. He prophesies to the bones. The bones begin to form skeleton. Then the bones form flesh. Now there's human figures on this battlefield, yet there's no life in these figures there's body but no life then the word of god says now prophesize the breath and when the breath comes in to the dry bones then the army of god stands up (laughs) isn't that awesome so what we realize is that a lot of people are dry bones (laughs) i know i have seasons of my life Mm. when i am dry bones i'm just going through life as a skeleton The breath, what we refer to in yoga as pranayama, prana is life force. When we have a practice of pranayama, we are reminding ourselves that we're not just body. We're not just bones. We are spirit. We're more spirit, in fact, than body. The body will be left on earth. The spirit is eternal. The breath, when we're aware of the breath, we're reminding ourselves that we are of that eternal quality. Dan Brule, he has a book called Just Breathe. He's been, along with Mark Devine, one of my primary mentors in breathing, which is a radical thing to say. I have a mentor in breathing. I have a coach for breathing because, again, breathing is something we've been doing since birth. The difference is that when we begin to really become aware of the breath, we do need a guide because the breath takes us places into our consciousness that we would never arrive at independently. Yeah. There's still virtuosity there. There certainly is. There certainly is. So what Dan says, and I quote Dan in the book is even one conscious breath a day is enough to have an entire breath practice, which is very complimentary to what Mark Devine said. One single sun salutation a day could be an entire practice of yoga. You and I could say one pull-up a day is an entire practice of CrossFit. The idea is that it's not about quantity, it's quality. 
in anything that we do. So the mechanics of breath practices are important, just like we have tools that allow us to strengthen the body. Yet even more important than any mechanical process of breathing is the understanding that in any practice, it's the awareness of the practice that's the real driving force behind what we're doing. So even if someone simply took a breath without training, without awareness of what's happening at the respiratory cellular level, if they were just aware, inhale, hold, exhale, hold, even that, that's a breath practice. Just aware of the breath. <laughs> and the reason it's a practice is because it brings us, it draws us into the present moment, right here, right now. The mind has a tendency to regress into the past or project into the future. The breath is right here, right now. That's why the breath, pranayama, really is a unifying quality to all the other practices of mind, body, spirit, mm -hmm. mastery, because the breath is what's going to yoke us into the present moment. Yeah, check it out. Look, even in this, I have like, you see this line here? Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I'm, I'm highlighting here under my, my yeah. body, mind, spirit notes, and then there's just a, uh, a row of breathing in every yeah. single one. Yeah, that's beautiful. So now what I was talking about earlier and what you just did was a, a we say box breathing. So if someone doesn't know what that means is inhale for a certain count, mm -hmm. hold for a certain count, exhale for a certain count and then hold. Mm -hmm. So you kind of make this, you can picture a box. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the box breathing. And certain people, you know, it sounds like, you know, you, you say a four count, right? Mm -hmm. Some people, if that, if that's even hard, start off with a three, mm -hmm. a three count and try and cycle through that four times. Mm -hmm. I actually find it really challenging to do a four and sometimes I'll do a five count for 10 without like losing focus mm -hmm. just to sit still and do 10 reps mm -hmm. as a challenge. Mm -hmm. And I, usually like around four in between four and six, I realize my brain just completely went somewhere else mm -hmm. and that hence the practice because you just exactly. keep trying, right? Exactly. Keep trying. Uh, I have also found doing that like to get in sync with my heartbeat mm -hmm. and I kind of let my heartbeat set and it's usually a five count depending mm -hmm. on how fast it's going and then get in sync with that. Mm -hmm. And I think, and if I do it just on my own, like mental count, it's not as effective. Mm -hmm. And then come to think of it, our friend, Josh, Josh was telling me about that, the whole study and the whole thing, how fascinating it is to get breathing in sync with your heart and what that biologically and spiritually does for you. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that whole being aware of the heartbeat and the breathing, um, I think my first lesson in that was uh, shooting under stress, mm -hmm. physical stress. Mm -hmm. You know, you come, if, you know, you're sprinting or doing a little workout and you come up and you're trying to do a fine motor skill mm -hmm. with your eye staring at a front sight and when you got, uh, your blood pressure's up, you're breathing hard, um, big old heartbeat and it's flickering your, your, your front sight all mm -hmm. around and understanding the breathing and the heartbeat and it's on the exhale and in between heartbeats is mm -hmm. like, where you take your shot. Mm -hmm. So being aware of it and I'm like, oh, this is a tool I can control and mm -hmm. I'm onto something. You know, the box breathing too, regardless of the count, the duration, yep. 
what it does is it brings awareness to the four parts. So in order to make the box, the box is created through the four unique moments in time that happen every respiratory cycle underneath our consciousness. So when I breathe in the box breathing sequence of events, there's an inhale, there's a retention, there's an exhale, there's a suspension. So the breath, as I make the box, allows me to see what's happening behind the curtain mm -hmm. during my daily breathing that happens mindlessly. It brings me aware face to face with, ah, wow, here I am. This is where I am in this moment. I'm in this cycle of breathing. I've found that it is useful for me to do that at red lights. Mm. If, you, if, if I'm at a red light, I'm going to sneak one in. Mm -hmm. It's a good opportunity, especially when I'm in uniform. Mm -hmm. And that one little breath has such an impact because mm -hmm. it's really easy, especially in LA, with all the stimulus to get like controlled by it. Mm -hmm. And that one breath creates space, and then I get to spill. I get to fill that space with my own thoughts. Exactly. So simple. There you guys go. Do it really that. is. It Do really that. is simple. <laughs> yeah, it's not meant to be. You know, a lot of the wisdom tradition that comes through spirituality is to use the words of Jesus Christ. It's meant to be easy enough for a child to understand, which implies that it's meant to be simple. Yep. <laughs> now, is it beneficial to do the entire box breathing through the nose? There's certainly benefits to nostril breathing. Immense I outline these in the book, immense benefit. The primary one for law enforcement is it triggers our parasympathetic nervous system, the nostril breath. Independent of the fashion of breathing, the nostril breath tends to move us out of the sympathetic into the parasympathetic, which is important because warriors serving in public safety, they are existing in a very stressful environment that is having a chemical hormonal effect on their body. They're being pressed oftentimes against their will into the sympathetic nervous system. The nostril breathing has been shown to reverse that tendency. So now all of a sudden, metaphorically, mm -hmm. the image that you like to work with is you're the calm in the center of the storm. That calmness in the mind and at the cellular chemical hormonal level is affected very much so by the nostril breath. And that is, um, now is that slightly different? Are you still box breathing, but through the nostrils or are you talking about exhale, inhale? You can box breathe through the nostrils. You can box breathe, inhale, nostril, hold, exhale, mouth. It depends on what you're up to on yep. any given day. I do my best as I go through the day to be breathing through my nose. I may make that a practice. I'm, I'm very, I'm hyper aware to the nostril breath. I'm trying to retain that even in workouts. I'm trying to keep the nostril breath going as long as possible. When I cycle to breathing through the mouth, I'm hyper aware of the fact that I've transitioned. I bring it back to nostril as soon as I can. Are you using tape over my mouth? No, I've never gone to that extreme. Sweet, sweet. My, our, our friend Kane Kane, he did uh, Murph last week with tape, like mm -hmm. special tape, mm -hmm. and did the whole Murph you know, through his nose. 
There's a great warrior tradition story that's told by Stephen Pressfield of Spartans in their training development having to run one, two, three miles with water yep. in their mouth. Whatever they drink at uh, the end of the run needs golly, to be spit I think back it was out. Like Twelve miles. It may have been. We could check. We could no. check. Uh, same thing with the uh, the drill they did against the tree. I'm not gonna say the whole thing, but mm. the tree. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the nostril breathing, and just to, to make it clear, because this is something fairly new to me, mm-hmm. and that is the way to do it would be to imagine taking your, um, your right hand and placing your index finger and your middle finger kind of like, well, palm t- towards your face. I'm going to think about this. Mm-hmm. Palm to your face, uh, index finger, middle finger resting on the, uh, the center of your brow, and then your thumb on your right nostril and your ring finger, so you kind of... If you're closing your right nostril, using your thumb, and then you release, and with mm-hmm. your right ring finger, it goes on your left nostril. Mm-hmm. It might be easy just to Google it. And I found that to be like incredibly fascinating, to have oxygen coming up. And, I've, and I started reading about it and learning about the different brain hemispheres mm-hmm. and the effects, and all of a sudden I'm like, holy moly, there's an entire thing that I'm gonna get to tap into. Mm-hmm. And it's super simple. Mm-hmm. That practice you're describing, I outlined that in Fire Breather Fitness, that's referred to in Ashtanga yoga as Nadi Shodhana. It balances, as you mentioned, it yeah. balances the left and right hemisphere. That's an amazing, amazing breath practice. Well, I'm going to spend some time there for sure. Yeah. On top, of, on top of my warrior breathing. So I would recommend box breathing is the foundation. That's the squat. <laughs> yeah. Box breathing is the squat of breathing practices. Nadi Shodhana, the alternate nostril breathing, that would be the snatch. It's an advanced breathing technique with phenomenal benefit. Absolutely. I think you're, you're right. If I, had to say, if I had to say one, I'd want someone to do box breathing. Mm-hmm. If I had to pick like mm-hmm. the one or even just being aware. Mm-hmm. Just like right now, if I say, you know, think about your posture right now and how you're sitting. Mm-hmm. Are you, hopefully you're changing and shuffling around right now. It's kind of weird how you, if you point it out, how it changes. Mm-hmm. It's like no one sees their nose until they, someone points it out that you're not seeing your nose on your face. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Now it's like, huh? Everyone's cross-eyed looking at it. Right. But being aware of it and the power of it and the power of your thought. Um, and then also under, under spirit here, I put in, uh, uh, in med- through meditation and insight and surrendering and how important insight and surrendering is in meditation. Mm-hmm. And meditation I have under, of course, underneath the, the spirit column mm-hmm. there. Um, I think, I mean, there's so many simple things that I wish we could pass. Like, if I, here you go, do box breathing. Here, just do a little functional fitness. Mm-hmm. And I think, and this is something I tell people, especially in the law enforcement community, and not just law enforcement community, but even first responder or service community, because you you're taking on a whole bunch. You have to have the broadest shoulders of the group, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I wish they were, or not wish, but I'm trying to change the culture of meditation. Mm-hmm. Not just me, obviously, and our buddy George Ryan just wrote mm-hmm. an article mm-hmm. on meditation, which is fantastic. But why is meditation so important? Mm. I know, it's a tough, it's like one of those, wow, that's... question. So here's, here's, there's an... There's a lot of great stories in, in well, both your books here in Fire the Beauty Fitness, but also in The Warrior and the Monk. And you're talking about 
you know, monks telling the story of, you know, the river and the reflection mm-hmm. and the ripples and mm-hmm. the river. And there's also, you've also talked about, you know, water mm-hmm. and still water mm-hmm. and how powerful those images are and how you can find them on your journey inward through insight and surrendering and how you can create calm water in your mind mm-hmm. instead of the bouncing monkeys playing drums. And playing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, is, is found in, and this is a crazy part because you're asking somebody to do something and that something is nothing. And that is just being still, mm-hmm. which is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. How do you recommend people start doing that? Oh, that's such a good question, Scott. The, there's two terms, two phrases that I think have importance here. One of them is yoga chitta vritti nirondaha, which is Sanskrit. And that's the definition of yoga. That means that yoga is the cessation of the mental fluctuations. Chitta vritti is what you described as the monkeys playing tambourines in our mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yoga is the cessation of that, the calming, the stillness of the mind. Then we turn it over to Jesus Christ, who was teaching the Pharisees, who were so enamored with the world, with the rules of the world, who felt certain that the kingdom of God would be out there, They were searching for it out there. And Jesus said, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So everything we're searching for is within us. The premise for the warrior and the monk. It's all been there the whole time. Which means that this practice of pratyahara, not pranayama, pratyahara, which means turning the attention inward, is the path to enlightenment. When we mature, to use your words, part of the maturity that we have is realizing that what we attach to in the world is temporal, which holds two great insights. The first is that if I attach to something in the world because it makes me happy, because it's in the world, it's also temporal. So today it causes me happiness, tomorrow it causes me suffering. Nothing in the world is designed to cause us eternal happiness. <laughs> so we have to reverse engineer the tendency of the mind. The undisciplined mind will continually project. It's going to attach to something that it wants or avert from something that it does not want. Yet either way, those are both temporal. Meditation takes us to the source, to cause, to what is the same. The unified field of consciousness is how it's taught, how it's referred to in TM, transcendental meditation. There's a unified field that we all have access to. That is the process of meditation. Now, meditation is like functional fitness. (laughs) right? There's so many paths to meditation. Ultimately, I'd like to think that all the paths lead to the same source. Yet you and I would be in agreement that if someone came to us, who's desirous of being in public safety, they want to be 
an operator, we're going to make the recommendation, you need to be doing CrossFit. It's a proven methodology. That proven methodology for meditation is mantra meditation, to use a mantra. The mantra, visually, we may see the mantra as a rock. This is how I describe it in the book, The Warrior and the Monk. Imagine our mind is the surface of a body of water. Sometimes that body of water at the surface is still, other times it's turbulent. Either way, at the bottom, we know there's going to be stillness at the bottom. The rock we can drop at the surfaceness if we follow the path of the rock as it ebbs and flows through the water, it comes to rest at the very bottom on the shore and it rests motionless. That's where the water is at its most still. The mantra works the same way in the mind. So mechanically, here's how this would work. The mantra that has worked for me, it's worked for thousands of people, I outline it in the book, is the mantra, I am. We would begin to repeat with our eyes closed, awareness gently placed upon the breath, we repeat in our mind, I am. And here's what will likely happen. I am, I am, I am. This is absolutely ridiculous. This is getting me nowhere. I hear monkeys playing in my right. Oh, wait. I am, I am, I am. That process plays itself out. However, here's what's amazing, brother. The closer we get to source, the more pure, the more radiant, the more beautiful, the more full of love, the quality of our thought becomes. In the beginning, as my mind jumps from mantra to thought, the quality of the thought is very arbitrary. Five minutes later, I am, I am, what's the purpose of my life? Oh, how can I serve others? How can I be a better source of love in the world? That's a quality of thought that wasn't available five minutes earlier. That thought was accessed through the mantra because that mantra, that rock, as it sinks, it's getting us closer to source. And we know that because the quality of our thought begins to change. Then we go back into our day. The quality of our day begins to change because thought is the inception of effect. When we begin to change the quality of our thinking, the quality of the experiences in our life, they change as well. It's like that rock is coming down and making contact with earth. It kind of makes me think of even walking barefoot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, there's a, there's a, I'm making a, a leap there, but that's what just came to my mind. Yeah. Um, even the, the, the mantra of I am, and then trying to, for some reason, I'm like really about like rhythms mm-hmm. and finding, trying to find that rhythm within the box breathing. Mm-hmm. Like is it three times, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then that's sometimes where I jump around. Oh, was it four? Oh, wait. Ooh. And then like, so at some point in there, I start hitting the stride mm-hmm. and certain things. It's almost like the, like moving away. I, you know, I use moving away like pollution so I can see, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Clearing out pollution so my water is nice and clean. Mm-hmm. I also, if somebody, see if I can paint a picture for people that might not be doing this, is 
sometimes I feel like I'm sitting in the middle or maybe closer to the, the edge of a river and the water's flowing mm. and I'm, and there's stuff in it like branches and whatever branches, uh, tree trunks, sometimes some trash, parts of rafts. And where before I'd, I'd see everything and try and go, Oh my gosh, from sometimes I jump on one and hold on to it and freak mm. out. And eventually you start to learn that river starts to get cleaner and cleaner and mm-hmm. cleaner. And then it gets to a point where I see something and I look at it and then I acknowledge it and then I let it go. Huh. And that's, that's some, that's how I am with certain thoughts. That's awesome. And the certain thoughts I, that I used to like cling on to, I'm like, Oh, that's silly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can let that go. I can mm-hmm. see it. I can let it go. Mm-hmm. I can not acknowledge it. And it's sometimes, um, in the episode with uh, Caroline Burkle, we were talking about fear and creativity mm. and acknowledging how fear and creativity can be the passengers in the same car. You, mm. can't, you can't get rid of fear. Mm. You can acknowledge it. You can acknowledge it. Just like you're know, acknowledging like a little fear thought floating by, but it's not in control. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge it. Hey, I see you. See you later. Mm. And so, I don't know. That's some sort of weird image. That's that beautiful I, imagery. That I, I love that. That uh, I, I try and explain to people that might be having chaotic life and is in control of things that are outside of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, you need to sit down and, you know, be with you and tap into that. Uh, you just said it earlier, the, earlier when you're talking about the TM, the something about the force, the, like the universal, ah, what's the word? Universal field. Universal field. Yes. I think I finally started to get into that mm-hmm. and holy moly. Mm-hmm. And I start to relate back to the, uh, the, the peaceful warrior. Mm-hmm. Where, where Dan is talking about how he's doing that, and then he, he like explodes in light. Yeah. And because comes out into the universe, and he's looking, and he's, like, he's got prism. He's a prism, and light's bending through him, and he's looking at his body. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's probably sounding weird to a lot of people. <laughs> to, a, to a lot of people out there, you know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about, and it's, uh, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And he's tapping into, into that source and how there's a tremendous amount of happiness there. Mm-hmm. And it kind of circles back into how do I find happiness of what I opened up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in stillness, you by yourself and breathing, maybe mm-hmm. it's certainly one path. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's certainly a path. Mm-hmm. Can you do, um, yoga or well, meditation and the breathing all within yoga? Yoga is an entire practice, right? So absolutely. I mean, take for example, you know, it's just so amazing to come back to these statements, right? And just con- to, to, to continue to strengthen them. Mark Devine said the entire practice of yoga can be found within one sun salutation. Dan Brule said an entire breath practice can be found within one breath. So we take a sun salutation. Here's your practice. Inhale, sweep the arms high. In my mind, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. My mantra. Exhale, forward fold. Perhaps I repeat the same mantra. Someone else may be more inclined to say, I'm strong, healthy, vibrant, full of light. What we're doing is we're using one seamless practice to bring together all the practices. Yep. <laughs> you have movement, you have breath, you have mind. It's all there. It's an integrated practice. You know, there's another thing that I, I found in yoga, and this was uh, early on in college when I started doing it. Blew out my hamstring playing football and went through a whole path of like depression 
identity crack. I didn't know I identified, I'm a football player. Mm. This is who I am, right? Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of growth there. Uh, and then going into yoga, and I found one of the earliest lessons was that you can be in control of your thoughts and breathing while under stress. That's <laughs> something simple. Mm. You're, in, in yoga, you're putting yourself in some funky positions, and there's no reason to make a funny, fa ugly face, mm -hmm. right? You, mm -hmm. you, know, you get this face all squinched up. Oh, I'm in pain. Let me do this with my face. Mm -hmm. And you learn to relax, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, this is not bad at all. Mm -hmm. That's something I learned. Like mm -hmm. a little thing for people if you're not into yoga, you learn how to stay calm in uncomfortable positions, mm -hmm. which transcends into life. Mm -hmm. One of the topics we haven't necessarily touched on too much, but I, I just want to talk a little bit about it because I feel like it's almost, I think Glassman said it's like the, the pinnacle of fitness, mm. and that's martial arts. Mm. Now you are a black belt in Krav Maga. Not yet. Not yet? I test in July, or August. Okay. And uh, purple, brown belt? In jiu-jitsu? Purple. Nice. Hang on a second. <laughs> Knocking on my door. All good? I just got ding-dong ditched by my five-year-old. Uh, <laughs> I saw him turn the corner. Oh, it's cute. Oh, that's adorable. So, um, just really briefly, like what, it, what has that meant for you as far as your development in, in those three things? In martial arts? Yeah, because I think, I don't know, there's obviously the physical component of like being able to physically take yourself as, as a public servant, but also just as a human to be able to protect people and mm -hmm. know, know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Not just to attack them with like your kettlebell fitness, you know? Uh-huh. And, and understanding that skill, but also the warrior's path of martial arts. Right. Well, George Ryan, good friends to you and I both, amazing warrior, LAPD SWAT, author, phenomenal guy. He said that martial arts is learning controlled aggression. So any thug on the street has aggression. If we're adamant that we are developing ourselves physically to be of service to others and that in service to others as you mentioned sometimes people need to take a time out against their will mm -hmm. we need to be able to use aggression in a controlled morally ethically legally sound way which takes training that's martial arts now what glassman said is fascinating glassman said that you have Mastery of the body, which begins with gymnastics. Once you've mastered the fundamental movements of gymnastics, the next step is to add an external object. That's weightlifting. The pinnacle to Glassman was martial arts because now you're controlling an external object that is simultaneously trying to control you. Wow. <laughs> So that's sports as well. Absolutely. What the heck? Why is it taking me so long? <laughs> Regularly learn and play new sports. Right. So the tip of the spear was yeah. any sport. Martial arts captured his imagination and his attention because of the fact that 
weightlifting is a sport onto itself. Yet the barbell has no intellect. Yeah, it's not trying to kill you. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes it is. <laughs> sometimes it may be. Yet clearly a martial artist that you're opposing, or in our case, a hardened criminal, they have every intent of either taking our life or gravely wounding us. Yep. I found myself recently involved in something. I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but trying to be super like peaceful, if you will, mm-hmm. I, violently peaceful, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then using the breathing and then and the soothing, calming, and then almost like becoming one at the same time with the person. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, I don't know, it's some sort of weird development thing that I'm going through. That's awesome. And part of that is learning, learning jujitsu, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, control, awareness, thinking, under stress. These are all things I wish, you know, unfortunately in the law enforcement field, you have to be an expert at so many different things, you know, chasing virtuosity always. Mm-hmm. But, uh, calmness and the ability to stay, uh, organized, I think is, mm-hmm. is very, very underrated. Mm-hmm. Even breathing, man, I gotta start, we gotta start, I know you guys are doing it, but we need to get people on the breathing thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple last questions that people have sent me, and, and my friend Justin wanted me to ask you about goal setting. Mm. That's awesome. Specifically, well, what would be the question? I guess what, one way he's, let me rephrase it because I'm kind of curious is, is with your standards and your, your ability to set a goal. And you used to do a goal setting seminar. Yeah. Seminar? Is that the word, right word? It was an eight-hour CrossFit goal setting course. Yep. And that is based off of, man, I took it. I remember that's when I heard the SMART acronym, Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Time-Oriented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I listened. That, <laughs> was like, that was like 10 years ago. I forget. <laughs> um, in fact, let me pull it up because I want to get this right. Uh, he also says that, you know, he's talking, he wants to know your daily practices, which I think all these things are, uh, does it spread to family and friends? Uh, one question here, this is going, how do you separate or draw the line between personal accountability and relationships? So, I mean, do you, cause obviously you don't want to, it's not like my way or the highway, but like, how do you allow for, for, um, I guess flexibility or I don't want to say weaknesses, but in other people, but people that aren't meeting the standard that you set for yourself. Hmm. These are all such phenomenal questions. Really? Uh, why are you thinking about that? I, I want to, I've had a hard time with that, mm-hmm. but recently I've learned flexibility and that it's okay. And then seeing, seeing what's good in that person or seeing what they're, what their goal is and if it's moving towards that path for them. Mm-hmm. It might not be the way I would do it, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, I recall I was talking to Dan Brule once about understanding and I said, wow, Dan, I've got such great understanding about this experience I'm having in my life right now. Dan said something amazing. He's like, you know, Greg, understanding is overrated. Because we only ever understand something at our current level of understanding, which is changing every day. 
The Bible tells us in Proverbs, lean not on your own understanding, but trust in every word of God, trust in the way of God. So in regards to the question about other people, can you rephrase or restate that question for me? It's so good. How do you separate or draw the line between personal accountability and relationships? Uh, start off, does it spread to, okay. he says, what are your daily practices? How do you keep accountable? Does it spread to family and friends? And how do you separate or draw the line between personal accountability and relationships? And have your practice and rituals manifested in your relationships? And, and have those kept you from getting close to someone in a meaningful way? Those are, yeah, right. each one is a podcast. The, we'll begin in the beginning. So what are my daily practices? They're outlined in The Warrior and the Monk. At the end of the book, as the monk disappears into the forest, he leaves the warrior with a letter that outlines a sadhana, a daily practice. That practice in the book is, in fact, my daily practice. That's what's been sustaining me for years now. Yet I'm not the author of that practice because that practice is a universally utilized spiritual practice. The only thing that I may include unique to my journey has been the association with CrossFit. That is part of my practice. I'm encouraging people exercise every day. The way that I encourage the exercise to unfold is constantly varied high intensity functional movement, which is CrossFit. Other than that, that practice of pranayama, meditation, studying scripture, healthy eating, hydration, that practice is found throughout many, many spiritual texts. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase a little bit this letter here in the, in the, I think it's in the epilogue of your book. Uh, each morning upon awakening, remain silent. Next, go to your altar or section of your home you intend to reserve for communion with God. Sit comfortably with your body, neck, and head held in a straight line and close your eyes. Then take four rounds of the warrior breath. Mm -hmm. Begin the sacred practice of your prayer word meditation. Now, some of these have a little bit more words, but you have to get the book. because. <laughs> um, next, bring your... Bring into the temple of your mind a most perfect statement that expressed the great heart within you. Now practice, now the practice of first words. And that's a big one. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And that, um, I've actually struggled with that because sometimes I wake up and I have, I'm, I'm in what I call as butt defense. Hmm. And that is that I have my startle flinch response to my kids atomic <laughs> booty drops on my head <laughs> so that, that's my first word is right right get your butt off my face yeah <laughs> um spend five to ten minutes studying the ancient spiritual text the holy bible here you can pronounce that bhagavad gita and yoga sutra eat at least three balanced meals drink between one half to one gallon of fresh water over the course of your day And this is a big one. Really hard to understand. Exercise your body every day. <laughs> a combination of uh, Kokoro yoga or functional gymnastic and weightlifting movements coupled with variance and an appropriate level of intensity is best. And then it goes, goes on to talk about when you, when you retire at night, return to your altar or dedicated place of worship. 
Sit comfortably with your body, neck, and head held in a straight line and close your eyes and take four rounds of the warrior breath. By the way, I, um, I thought I'd be here by now, but I just ordered a um, meditation stool. Oh, nice. Nice. To help me stay um, upright. Awesome. Because my knees and ankles are tight. Yeah. And I don't like, I can barely sit on my laurels without pain. Yeah. So that's hopefully going to help me. Yeah. Because I'm going to sit in the chair and, uh, or laying on my back. They all work. The positions mm-hmm. work, you mm-hmm. know. But I really want to, I want to get in the right position and then so I can go in the right spots. It's awesome. Um, yeah. And then do it, you know, sometimes in here. Which, by the way, this is why I turned to page 87 of Fire Breather Fitness. And I think for sure I followed all the 10 rules, huh. the top 10 lessons for building a garage gym. Oh, cool. <laughs> it appears you did, brother. Yeah, the this first, place is awesome. Uh, conceal or store off-site any non-essentials to the gym. <laughs> Got it. Invest in rubber floor covering. Got it. Boom. Add some motivation to the walls. All Got right. it. Got it. Yeah. Build a library. Select books that offer education and inspiration and refer to them often. Got it. Check. Install a whiteboard. All right. My computer is my whiteboard now. It works. Yeah, the phone and the, these things work. There's like little round counters on the phones. You just tap on there now. Yeah. Uh, lead by example. Absolutely. Hopefully I'm doing that. You do, brother. Uh, be clean and tidy. Impeccable in here. And refer to the garage as a gym. I actually call it thought chamber. I like it. Uh, choose quality over quantity. Got it. And mm-hmm. build a sense of a gym ownership for yourself and the friends you train with. <laughs> and that, uh, just so you guys know, that's... This, this, what I just read, is adapted from Garage Gym 101 in the CrossFit Journal from 2010. The CrossFit Journal used to be, that used to be the jam. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's so many sources of information now mm-hmm. that, and I think CrossFit Journal is actually free. It is. Which is really, it's yeah. a really amazing source. I remember going through that and it's bringing me back. I have like printed out so many different articles from there to try and learn from. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I really, really appreciated from beginning of crossfit was and this is a big one because of the amount of growth that comes from it but a challenge and a struggle and what that does to a human mm. if you're going through a challenge and a struggle the the how much growth there is there and how much purpose there is there so i had crossfit there was a challenge and a struggle still is mm. right still is i mean for a long time i couldn't do a squat or a handstand or all those simple things just you and your body and how chasing virtuosity is like this journey mm-hmm. um but also the challenge and the struggle that I've been reintroduced recently um, through you and your online avatars of, <laughs> of yoga yeah, <laughs> and breathing, uh-huh. you know, and now my journey inward is continuing thanks to your book, yeah. The Warrior and the Monk. Thank you. And so I really just also, I mean, I really want to thank you, you know, for your friendship and your mentorship and guidance and, and I'm really proud of you. Thank you, brother. <laughs> and, and it's been really cool uh, to watch you grow. And who knows where you're going to be 10 years from now. Yeah. You might have a couple of whippersnappers running around. You know, <laughs> you know who knows? Who knows? Um, what's next for you? You got another book coming? Well, right now I'm in seminary school, full-time seminary school. I'm the new chaplain for my department in Santa Cruz. So I feel that the next three years are committed to oh, a deep awesome. dive into the word of God. So three years from now, we'll see where God leads me. Um. I listened to the, your podcast that you did with um, Savon on CrossFit. Yeah, the CrossFit podcast. Yeah, uh, very entertaining. If you guys are curious more <laughs> about the more about the um, the history of CrossFit and how it was in the beginning and the old the original CrossFit gym that you were training at and some of the stories there, check out that podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but several times he was asking if you were the warrior, you know, or the monk, right? Mm. And I'm like, absolutely, he's both of them. <laughs> absolutely. And I actually think, this is, my, this is my opinion, I was waiting for like a big reveal. I thought they were the same person and just different, different points on oh, their path. Yeah. And there's a, there's a photo. Let's see if I can find it right offhand here. of them um, facing each other. I'm going to find mm-hmm. it, and I'm being patient. Oh, here it is. The stare down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and above it, it's like, uh, who are you? And the question of, mm-hmm. and it keeps asking, who, who are you? I'm like, they're the same person. Mm-hmm. Just diff- different points along the path. You're exactly right, brother. Way to see that. Again, thank you very much for coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, this book Actually, both these books, but The Warrior and the Monk on Amazon. Is that mm-hmm. the quickest way? Or go to gregalmason.com? Amazon will be easier. Okay. And where can people find like the collection of videos? So learn if people are interested in learning how to breathe, learning how to do yoga. I recommend Kokoro Yoga, which is on the Unbeatable Mind website with Mark Devine. Mark's been my primary teacher for yoga, along with his stepdaughter, Catherine Devine. Awesome. So I would encourage people to begin there with, or Mark's book, Kokoro Yoga. That makes sense. Is an amazing book. Kokoro Yoga Online is a great way if someone was lacking a school to go to and wanted to follow along with me, Mark, or Catherine, that'd be the place to go. You know, he's one of the, the few people in our circles that have been talking about that I have not met. Oh, we got to introduce you. Yeah. He's, he's right, down, yeah. Oh, right down the freeway here. Yeah. Love to get... Um, you know him on the podcast or or vice versa either way just to meet him because yeah he's that big of an influence and um i also think that at least for me and my growth there's been like this all the people that i like look up to right and the people that are mentors to me have some things in common mm-hmm. and, and one of them is generally a martial art practice but mm-hmm. a breathing practice a yoga practice uh a big one is a meditation practice mm-hmm. But then also, um, at least to me, an obvious relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so for a while, this thing was like, like, am I missing something? And so thank you for the reintroduction. <laughs> You're welcome, brother. Uh, and your Instagram, which proud to say I... Uh, <laughs> you in- taught me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm your Instagram mentor. Uh, <laughs> Now I got I got to mentor you in getting a new phone. <laughs> this is like an iPhone zero. This is like a beta phone. Yeah. Does this thing even have like the uh, hashtag in the keyboard? I know that was a feature. Oh yeah. So um, um, at Greg Amundsen, mm-hmm. and you have some videos there as well. Yeah, you know, pretty good. Yeah. You know, I, I, there's like this. I have this mixed bag of uh, a mixed relationship with the whole social media thing because it's really easy to get addicted or tied into some like virtual world that mm-hmm. isn't real. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've, I've, the way I've looked at it now is that it's your way of leaving like cookie crumbs of lessons for people. Mm. Like if something happened, boom, well, there's this, there's this eternal thing that no matter what is going to be discoverable. Mm. Like if you type a word doc in your computer, that document can crash, you know, you can lose it, but the stuff you put out in the internet is, is evergreen and mm. always discoverable. At least for my kids, because these little guys are going to grow up in a computer age where everything is discoverable. Mm-hmm. Well, again, thank you. 
I'm really proud of you, and I hope you come back. <laughs> and we'll do like uh, continuing part two. Awesome, thank you, brother. And remember uh, that there is some stuff on the sisuway.com on the store tab. There's two things really. In fact, we're looking at them right now. You have this sisuway poster, which comes in a canvas poster, good for gyms and good for garage gyms, offices, and kids rooms that's initially why i made it hmm. and it comes uh in the canvas also comes framed and i also have these little tenants here and the tenants it's like the the sisu shield which is for sisu and for strength hmm. but it comes with a little the little slogan the taglines the mantra of the show and that is that health is wealth vulnerability is strength and strength is a choice so get up strong and be unconquerable awesome brother well done and thank you for listening folks 